if you are non-coding, try using the AI tools and try to understand like what are the struggles and see it yourself and experience it. And I feel like I understood it best when I tried building some simple agents myself and I realized, wow, this is the challenge, this sucks. And it's not that difficult with OpenAI API or some basic tech stack. But of course, like being in some community, people are usually very nice when you ask for, for something, when something doesn't work. So it's really cool, like basically talking to, to people, not only like consuming the content, but trying to ask questions. Welcome to Building with AI, the show where we engage in conversations with world-class AI product builders and leaders. We help uncover tactical insights to help you build and scale better AI products. I'm your host, Tarun Chaudhry, and today we're joined by Teresa Tiskova, founding member and head of growth and community at e2b.dev, a platform that provides secure sandbox cloud environments tailored for AI agents and AI apps. In this episode, Teresa shares her story, transitioning from a non-technical role as a McKinsey consultant to becoming an integral member of the AI startup ecosystem at E2B. She discusses the challenges of building AI agents, the process for creating them reliably, her thoughts on the hype cycle surrounding multi-agent collaboration, and much more. But before we dig in, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Autoblocks, the AI optimization platform product teams use to create world-class AI experiences. So you just launched V0 of your AI feature or product. What's next? Autoblocks unlocks an intuitive yet powerful optimization workflow that helps you continuously understand, improve, differentiate your AI-powered products. Understand how your users interact with your product by connecting user activity to what's happening under the hood of your application. Improve your product thoughtfully and iteratively. Integrate testing of your AI products into your CI workflow and run A-B tests to see what changes are driving great user outcomes. Differentiate your AI products with powerful fine-tuning workflow that lets you turn product usage data into training data. Get started with Autoblocks for free at autoblocks.ai. Now, back to the episode. Well, Teresa, welcome to the show. Thank you. Very excited to chat with you. Uh, one of the things that we hear a lot about from our audience and from guests of Building with AI is what are AI agents? What are people using AI agents for? And you're building developer tooling and infrastructure for folks that are building with AI agents. So I'm excited to chat with you and learn a little bit more. But before we dive into the details, I'm curious to learn a little bit more about your background, who you are, and the journey that led you to E2B. So my journey is not technical in the first place. I studied economics and marketing, and then I studied abstract mathematics. So so it's a kind of like different background. And then I joined McKinsey as a consultant. It was my first job after school, basically. And then I met the founders of E2B, Tom and Vashek, and we clicked and I already wanted to do startups. I already was testing AI tools. Everyone was like obsessing about ChatGPT, about AI. So <laughs> I wanted to learn more about this and I joined the guys and went to San Francisco with them and we started building E2B as a dev tool company for AI. So, so that's my story. I'm curious to learn in your own words, 
how do you define AI agents? For somebody who has no idea what AI agents are, they, I'm sure they've heard the term. How do you define it in the most clear and concise way that you can? Yeah, it's tricky one because, you know, it's so new that there is no like encyclopedia definition or something. And even I think even developers don't exactly agree what AI agent is. But like for non-technical people, I always start with something they know, which is basically chat GPT or these like simple AI assistants. We can look at them as like simple chatbots and AI agents are basically you take this simple chatbot, but equip it with more autonomy. Like agents uh, have this characteristic of being autonomous and what it means. They basically can do more complex tasks than simple chatbot that you give it input, it gives output, you ask what's the weather, you ask what should I do with my life and it gives answer. While AI agents, they combine reasoning and acting, they can decompose your task into more more steps and basically plan and reflect on what they do. So for example, you can tell them, please make a comprehensive research on stock markets or energy markets, please create a file with data, basically anything. So that's like one characteristic. Another one is they use tools. That's very important. And in context of like software, it basically means API calls. So for example, the agents can access internet. Uh, you can tell the agent, plan me a trip for holiday and it can access your calendar. It can access email basically via Epic calls. So that's another one. And third one, I would say long-term memory, longer context, because that's uh, what like ChatGPT struggles with, but AI agents are more advanced in terms of that. Would you say that the core difference between AI chatbot and an AI agent is that the agent is able to decide on a set of actions to take on its own and then it executes on maybe a longer string of actions rather than just spitting out a response? Yeah, that's one way to do of, of course, like every agent is different. It has different brain, let's say. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's the common thing. Like you give it a task and the agents start doing okay, I will do this and this and this and often like tells you what it plans to do and decides what actions it will use and the actions it's uh, usually using that tools. So a couple of episodes ago, we interviewed Brian Bischoff, who is the head of AI at Hex. And Hex is doing some interesting work in the agents space. So they have agents that they've built to help you do data analysis over your data and create things like charts and dashboards. What are some of the most common use cases that you're seeing agents being used for in production today? Yeah, so it's important that you said in production because of course, when I said like agent booking holiday or something, it's of course it's good. It sounds very autonomous and very exciting, but like with great power comes great responsibilities and it's difficult to get this in production because it's a lot of steps, it can be risky. So what we see in production today are often like these agents that talk about your data, analyze your data and do some tasks like over your documents that you upload. So that's, I would say, nice use case. And another one is coding agents because yeah, they, they work well with generating, sometimes executing code and this AI code interpreters open interpreter that is really popular on GitHub 
that's also another good use case. So yeah, and like code interpreter, that's basically like the underlying thing for, for a lot of data analyzing. I've seen some demos on Twitter of end-to-end -end applications that leverage agents for things like booking things on your calendar based on a prompt that you give the agent. Or I, I've seen even a demo where an agent helps somebody book a flight. I don't know how much of that is vaporware and just very controlled demos, but are you starting to see more of an emergence of practical use cases like booking flights and doing tasks that are maybe what a chief of staff might do. So AI agents are resemble like chief of staff. Are you starting to see proliferation of those types of use cases as well? I'm not sure about this one because yeah, as you said, like we see a lot of demos and I am a bit skeptical to how much this demo is the exact use case that this wants to show or something. And personally, I don't use these super autonomous assistants. I use like the coding ones usually, or the uh, chat about data, as I said. But yeah, I would say like there is this aim to move towards this, but we need like better LLMs, of course. Uh, we need uh, some something more to overcome some challenges because when you like let the agents use your calendar or something, it can be risky. <laughs> because the underlying, like the agent's brain is not deterministic. It uses LM, so you never know like what happens. And there can be that like one person where the agent does something random. So I think that's challenge before doing this in, in production in like a bigger scale. So you mentioned that LLMs maybe aren't at a place where some of those use cases are super practical or reliable today. And you also mentioned some of the trust concerns with agents. When you're delegating a set of tasks to an agent, oftentimes there's this apprehension of, what if it's not going to do the right thing? Should I give it access to my calendar? Should I let it book flights on my behalf? So what are some of the main challenges, including those two, and aside from those two, that you see with folks that are building with agents today? I'm thinking there are two types from my view. One is given by the nature of LLMs. Like you give it the same prompt and you never get the same result twice because it's not deterministic. So that's like the one problem. And as you said, when you give it access to your, to your operating system, to your tools, yeah, it, it's risky and I wouldn't do that. <laughs> sometimes so so yeah like bigger companies they really want to know what's happening with their data what the agent does before they use it that's a big challenge and another one type of challenge i would say it's like the ui you built around the agent because it's not enough to say i built agent you can run it in terminal you know because you know, people don't know what that is i also didn't know when i started i was not technical so you have to build some nice app, some like browser app or some cool UI to use it and to be user-friendly because a lot of these agents, they are cool, but still many are used by developers because normal people cannot set it up or don't know like when some error happens, they don't know what happened. It's also challenging. So you might've seen there was a demo that the Multion team did. So we hosted Omar from Multion on this show many months ago. and. It was picked up 
by a bunch of notable accounts. And essentially, I, I forget ex the exact use case, but it was a pretty exciting use case of agents. And it seemed to impress quite a few people. What are your thoughts on that demo and software like it? Are we starting to experience a moment in time in agent development where we're seeing more reliable results? I didn't see like any benchmarks recently that I could say it's more reliable now, but of course, when you get like better GPT, uh, better models, <laughs> it should be more reliable by definition. But yeah, I, I was playing a bit with Multion. They are doing this browser automation, I think. And yeah, they have really impressive demos. They are like still ordering burgers with their agents or great slides. Yeah, but to be honest, I, I wouldn't still probably use it. I'm not sure how it works in daily life, whether it's still in more like testing phase, but it's probably like question for them. So I'm not that like deep into their product, but yeah, it's like really impressive. What do you think are the main improvements that need to be made to fulfill the promise of agents? So you mentioned LLMs improving. That's a big thing that needs to happen. So the models themselves, need to become better at reasoning and, and accurately identifying the set of tasks that they need to execute on. What are some of the other things that you would say need to improve for some of those demos to become more of a possibility on a consistent basis? If I knew exactly, I, I would do it, right? So <laughs> I, I don't know exactly <laughs> what's the right yeah. ingredients, but yeah, LLM, of course, and maybe some better tooling around the agents because this whole ecosystem, it's pretty new and we have whole new AI powered software. So I feel like people first started building agents and it was like this big hype last year. It was like this low hanging fruit to quickly do some agent doing something cool, but then nobody wants to do the rest, you know, like yeah. <laughs> not that many yeah. people wants to build uh, the infrastructure, the tooling for that, like some monitoring evaluating the agent's behavior but i feel that is like the direction that uh it's moving and uh, the ecosystem it's built around it so that will allow better reliability of the agents and yeah as i said better ui around agents making it production ready so that's a good segue into the work that you're doing so you mentioned that the tooling and the process of evaluating and iterating on these agent applications is going to surely improve. And I know that's the space that you're working in today. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about E2B and the problem space that you're in, the problems that you're solving? Oh, uh, yeah. So we basically solve one of the problems I mentioned, which is uh, that AI agents can be random and can be <laughs> risky. So we are this part in the, like this puzzle piece that uh, does the secure execution of the outputs of the actions that the agent decides to do. You tell the agent, please analyze my data and make some predictions, make some charts from the data. And the agent starts thinking and reasoning and say like, okay, I will install these packages in Python and do this analysis. Yeah, so it decides to do these tasks. But it has to do this task like securely in some like kind of isolation because as you said, you cannot just uh, let the agent access everything in your computer. We are doing with it to be this runtime 
for where agents can play in this safe playground called sandboxes. And it's cloud environment for them. Once the agent decides to do something, it's done with E2B sandboxes. Like it can create some files, it can run some LM generated code. It can, you can upload files there, upload your data, and it's done like without access to anything risky or something. So that's like, yeah, this part of the ecosystem. And how are the agents able to access relevant data that they need in order to make certain decisions or execute on specific tasks within these sandboxes? Yeah, so it's done via API calls usually, like accessing the data, but we also connected AWS storage. You can connect AWS or GCP or like users can connect the data to the sandbox. Basically, it's done via SEALs, uh, certain feature that we just implemented recently. Got it. And and so for teams that are not using a tool like an E2B, what is normally their workflow? Are they running their agents locally most of the time? And what are some of the challenges or risks that process presents? Yeah, so the alternatives, like given that the agent even is able to run the processes because some are like more basic, but if you have this more advanced like data analyst, code interpreter, whatever, uh, like doing it locally, not in cloud, it's like common alternative. For example, Autogen, it's popular agent framework and they do it via Docker, I think, locally, which is, I should say what, what locally means because, yeah, <laughs> so if in case it's not clear, so it's like locally in your computer, like it can access your operating system versus in cloud, it usually has some browser. Yeah, so locally it's alternative or people, we notice they're building their own solution usually, and they try to build something maybe also in the cloud, but they try to from scratch and usually they find it annoying or time consuming. So <laughs> they find us. And so what's been the progression of E2B since inception? How has the idea shaped up over time and starting from when the idea was first formed? Yeah, it's difficult to think of one point in time when we said we are doing this, but it was like iterations and research, like mainly in San Francisco, we were basically research in AI agents means you are talking to developers and asking them what they are building, what they are struggling with. And we noticed more and more this pattern that was repeating, like every developer of AI agents was struggling with similar things. <laughs> so that's how we got to, to our product and what we are doing now. But it still continues, like we're still collecting like feedback on our SDK and what features are important, how to increase speed and everything around that. How have the challenges that you, you hear from these customer conversations or the conversations while prospecting evolved over time. Have they remained for the most part the same or have you noticed that the challenges have evolved over time? Yeah, I think the developers are more realizing that it's important to build the whole product and also start focusing on the end users and how to communicate with them because there is so many agents <laughs> you have to be like special, you have to maybe have some niche uh, group of users or have better UI or better support. It's also important because something happens and the users often like don't know what happened and uh, start writing on your Discord, on your Slack. So 
I feel like people are focusing maybe on more niche things and really try to communicate like what they deliver. And also we have more tools, more startups doing like some monitoring, some observability, other services around the agents. Developers also are exploring that. Yeah, that makes sense. And you, you've mentioned a couple of times the uh, user interface and experience considerations when you're building with agents. And there are naturally some challenges that agents present from a UI UX perspective. One is it's a relatively new concept, just being able to delegate a series of tasks to software that require reasoning capabilities. What are some of the best practices that you've seen from companies that are building agents in production? And I'm particularly interested to learn about how they involve the user in the process. Is, is it a best practice to have the user maybe sign off on the set of tasks that the agent assigns to itself? Or does that maybe reveal too much of how the sausage is made? I'm curious like how you find that developers are striking that balance and, and building great UI UX around agent-based applications. Yeah, so I don't want to speak for all agent developers, but yeah, I've seen they are like experimenting with like users' feedback and usually you have some beta version and access to it and then you try to improve. I don't know like what's the best way, but a lot of this like UI parts have a lot of customization for user because I think people realize that you cannot just give them like this perfect uh, solution, but only for one small use case because everyone wants something completely different. And I heard this from developers. They like, even if they prepare some like good examples to try with the product, people still want something exactly tailored for their needs, something really specific. It's probably good to, to get some degree of freedom there. And then exactly when something happens, you have to get good support. You have to provide contact, provide some like community around it. It's important. And I noticed also this tool because many of the AI tools have their Discord communities or whatever platform and people are talking with each other and helping each other in that early stage. And they are showing like what cool things they use the product for. So. I feel like the community now, it's very important part too. Okay, so we're at a really exciting time for folks that are developing and building agent-based applications. What are you most excited about when it comes to this space over the next couple of years and the progress that's being made? What are you most excited about and what would be an ideal outcome, let's say in 2025, for agents in production? Wow, that, that's a long timeline for AI, because when you say a few <laughs> years, very true. because people uh, usually ask like, when is AGI coming and when is AI going to destroy us? I immediately <laughs> follow that. Uh, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think like ideal would be that AI agents will become like invisible part of daily life apps. And I think we won't be using the term AI agent anymore. It will be just like natural invisible part of product, but not like product marketed tool and users like you, you want to use these like technical terms, but it will be like, yeah, many small agents doing very specific things in the like daily workflow and people uh, using them without basically 
realizing that there is like underlying autonomy doing something <laughs> stochastic. So I think the whole software as we know it, it will be centered around LLMs. As Andre Karpaty said in that like popular tweet, LLMs are the equivalent of new kernel now. So basically like this whole system will shift. Yeah, and it will probably all get much faster, like the faster coding and developing. So that's exciting. I can even imagine what the new products will come and yeah. And for companies that are building with these technologies, do you imagine that they're going to manage their agents in a similar way that they're managing employees by monitoring and evaluating the set of actions and tasks that they're working on and where they're successful, where they're maybe not successful and optimizing the parameters and instructions to make sure that they're successful more often. How do you imagine that process of monitoring these agents in a company is going to look like? Yeah, it, it's fun because I feel like it's already happening. Like people still are acting as like the agents are their new interns. <laughs> yeah, and the prom engineering is a big topic and also like the evaluation. So yes, I'm not sure how it will be done. Probably some like team of product managers, engineers, etc. will deal with agents. But also we have like more of uh, this multi-agent frameworks like Autogen, Crew AI, where the agents give feedback to each other and teach each other which maybe works better in some cases. So maybe it will be even like one agent managing other agents. <laughs> yeah, but I think essentially we need to maybe more behave with the agents like the same we do with interns because when people complain, the agents didn't do what they wanted. It's often uh, like the mistake is that they didn't specify it uh, right way. They didn't specify the formatting, etc. So it's basically the same as you communicate with a human developer, with a human assistant. So I think th this will be the way. And do you imagine that there's going to be a new type of role that's created for folks that are managing these agents in a company? Or do you think it's going to be the developers that are going yeah. to be managing the process of improving agents? I think it will be usually like someone technical. Like when we see now enterprises playing with agents is usually like for example their CTO started playing with agents and hypes the whole company to use them and the technical part of the team plays with them so I think it will be it will be like that basically. So I'm curious to learn what, what are you most excited about from a company building perspective being at the forefront of the space what are some of the things you're most looking forward to for E2B? I'm really excited in general about everything and it's so cool to be in San Francisco and talking to, to the developers like you see the future being created. It's a big fun like everything, every part of that. But like in particular, I feel like it's almost our responsibility to somehow like educate the market to, to shape the market because we want the AI agents to be good and sometimes we need to nudge them to say, hey, try using that, try using this solution, try building this. And we basically try to also do a lot of content and share our learnings from other developers and shape the community and be helpful in that. 
And it's really exciting when you can contribute to this and you feel like at least having some kind of control over like where AI is headed, even if it's like small part, but still it's the feeling of being like part of the future of software, basically. Yeah. And also the startups in general, it's a big fun for me. It's like constantly like testing hypothesis. So you mentioned Autogem and Crew AI. Those are two projects that I've seen a ton on Twitter recently or X or whatever you call it nowadays. Can you explain to the audience what the exciting part of those projects is? It's essentially agents that are able to interact with each other, but I'm sure you could explain it a lot better than I can. No, but you're right. Like the whole, I think, hype is that it's more agents talking with each other, which is fun because as I mentioned, like even the single agents are not that reliable, are not there yet, but people already start playing with more agents together. So <laughs> it sounds, of course, more exciting, but to be fair, I haven't seen any like benchmarks that would evaluate if multi-agent is better than single agent. Maybe yes, maybe no, but I don't want to say something and going back with data. But yeah, that that's cool because people can define like this agent will be the manager and this will be the data analyst and the researcher and the writer. And I feel people maybe think of this as more like customizable thing because they now have like whole team and can assign the roles and the agents even can like delegate tasks, like uh, part of tasks on each other. Yeah. So for example, you say like, again, make a research, make some like chart and every agent does part of the task. So I would say that, that the hype around these frameworks. And you mentioned that you don't have any benchmarks that are backed by data to evaluate the effectiveness of using multiple agents to solve for particular workflows. But speaking from experience and just your, your gut reaction, or maybe even theoretically, does it seem like a more effective approach to essentially modularize the agent workflow into specific components that are maybe more task specific? Yeah, I think the direction makes sense because it's like difficult to to specify the prompts, the initial like instructions for the for each agent. And when I was like trying to build some agents, I spent a lot of time on specifying how to tell the agent what is his purpose. <laughs> because you change a few words and it all changes. It changes like how long output the agent produces, what format. And you have to be very careful about this. And I would say like trying and testing, there is like not any like systematic approach or not that I know. So you just try different prompt. So when you think of this, it's difficult for one agent to to be perfect, to do more tasks. And usually you are lucky if you try to do, make it like one kind of task good. So that's why I think intuitively it makes sense to have more agents. And also we want them to provide correct format of output. It's very important for code. You want them to provide correct formatting. So that's also part of that. For anyone who's listening to this and they're getting excited about the prospect of building agents and learning more about agents. Do you have any recommendations or resources for where they can get started or communities that they can plug into in order to learn more? That's a question because I think it's changing so rapidly that it's difficult to, you know, follow some newsletters or, or some like random 
cool people on Twitter because every week something new and what you learn it there cannot be maybe may not be true anymore. So I think the best is to do something yourself to at least if you are non coding, try using that AI tools and try to understand like what are the struggles and see it yourself and experience it. And I feel like I understood it best when I tried building some simple agents myself and I realized, wow, this is the challenge, this sucks. And it's not that difficult with OpenAI API or some basic tech stack. But of course, like being in some community, it's also good. Like all the AI agents, many of them have Discord community or have strong Twitter following. And on Discord, people are usually very nice when you ask for, for something, when something doesn't work. So it's really cool, like basically talking to, to people, not only like consuming the content, but trying to ask questions and contribute somehow, maybe try to test the agents. Yeah. So like these practical things. Do you have any recommendations for frameworks that might make it easier to build agents? Of course, the popular one is Langchain, you know, but for me, it was difficult to read their documentation. It wasn't like my first choice because yeah, I was new to coding and to everything and Langchain was not the most intuitive in my personal opinion, but it's really popular among people. I would say it's probably the most popular framework to start with and many other agents are like built with Langchain. So it's probably worth checking definitely. Yeah, I think there is more alternatives like that already, but it may be like similar principles in the end. Got it. And where can people learn more about E2B and also where can folks find you online? Yeah, so we have E2B Twitter and we are fully open source, like our infra, our SDK, everything, which is funny because actually yesterday GitHub like somehow suspended our organization, like by mistake. We got it resolved this morning, but <laughs> Uh, it was fun night. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but we are there. We are back. So <laughs> we are open source and people contribute to our code or uh, raise issues if something happens or if they want new feature. So it's good for developers. And we are on Discord also. Yeah, Twitter, Discord, LinkedIn. And we have this blog where we try to share insights from developers when we talk to someone. And uh, we ask the developers themselves about what's the future of agents. And it's interesting to people. And also we put together this like agent list <laughs> and it's 150 agents sort by categories and everything. And it's also like popular catalog to start with. You heard it here first. E2B is so back and it will be sure to link to all of those links in the show notes, including Teresa's Twitter profile as well. Teresa, thank you so much for joining the show. It was a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure.